Well, it's an idea that's been tossed about for years, especially near an election, and many politicians have gone before us campaigning on the policy. So why have we not yet got rid of GST on fruit and vegetables? Other countries have managed to do it. Alan Bullitt is a GST partner at Deloitte, and he joins us now. Good evening, Alan. Hi, Todd. How are you? Well, thank you. Start by telling us what other countries have introduced in this area. Well, New Zealand is quite unique um, internationally in that we have what's um, considered a very conceptually pure tax um, from a GST perspective and that it taxes pretty much everything. The only things that we tend not to hit with GST in New Zealand are residential rentals and financial services for various technical reasons that go around the difficulties of calculating GST on financial services. Um, and for most families, some of your biggest expenses are going to be rent or interest on your mortgage. So if you exempt one, you have to exempt the other. But because of the various political facts, when we had the introduction of GST under the um, Labour government that was in power at the time, uh, following the Muldoon government, when they came in, they had a complete majority. They didn't have to do the negotiations that have happened in various other places. Australia, for instance, does have GST off a number of food items, not all, but a number, and that predominantly is because of the way the political situations were. They needed one more senator. He refused to go for a conceptual pure, so therefore they needed to go to other parties and bring them in, and their price was, let's go and have this. Um, So generally, it is only in situations where you have a reasonable degree of autonomy that you end up with one of these conceptually pure systems. And Todd, one of the things that I think is really important to to note, the GST is just a tool that the government uses to collect tax in order to do what governments need to do for a running society. And GST is considered a very efficient tax. It collects a significant amount of money for the government and does it with relatively low costs. Um, One of the interesting questions that does come up which you you talked about taking GST off fresh fruit and vegetables, is where do you draw the boundary lines in those? And that's where you can get people like me having lots of fun and lots of arguments, but it doesn't really add anything to the economy. Um, So when I'm always asked around GST and food, Todd, one of the things that people say is, look, other countries do it, Alan. Couldn't we take GST off food? And my answer is, yes, of course we could. Do I think we should? No. So it's working here to a point and delivering, would you say it's delivering real benefit? Um, I think it's delivering real benefit in terms of what it does. And by that I mean GST is just a tool to collect a pretty significant sum of money for the government with relatively low compliance costs. To give you some examples of where you get in, as soon as you bring in a boundary, then you start to have to go and how do we define things? Um, there's some famous cases that have happened in the UK or in Australia or various other things. For instance, there's been cases that went through all um, numerous levels over there of whether a can of Pringles is a can of potato chips that would be subject to that or isn't potato chips. Um, there's a case of Jaffa cakes, whether a Jaffa cake is a biscuit or a cake. So when you start to bring in rules, it may seem really silly that you have these boundaries that go through, but they have real economic impacts 
for people as we go through. But perhaps even more importantly than that is if we do take GST off fresh fruit and vegetables, then the immediate question that comes up is, well, there's no free lunch. So if we're taking GST off fresh fruit and vegetables, are we then, we're faced with three possible alternatives. One, the government cuts services to the level of the GST that they're no longer going to collect. Two, the government increases other taxes to make up for that lost revenue. Or three, the government has to borrow more money to make up for that lost revenue. Now, there are negative consequences potentially for all of those factors. And obstacles, those seem quite high obstacles. I couldn't jump that high to get over those obstacles. And as you say, arguments are plenty as to what constitutes a fruit or a vegetable or whatever. Yeah, and the other thing that comes in is GST is seen as a bit of a regressive tax. And to a certain level it is, although there are questions about how regressive it is over a person's entire lifetime. But if you also think about it, people at the lower social economic level per the 2018 tax working group study, they did some analysis in there, and that was showing that they they spend a higher percentage of their income on food than people at the highest income decile. So something in roughly around sort of 20% in the lower levels compared to, I think it was 14% in the upper levels. So you think, oh, great, if we take GST off fresh fruit and vegetables or off all food, then we're going to be helping those people in the lower social economic levels more. And you are on a percentage basis. But then as soon as you step back and you think, well, hang on, what about on a dollar basis? Then you actually realise that you're giving a lot of money to people that can actually still afford to pay for the amount. Well, you may take GST off a bottle of milk, you're also going to take GST off imported jars of caviar or truffles or whatever is, you know, a really expensive thing that (laughs) that some people might want to import. And is that the efficient way to do it or are there better ways for the government to support the very real cost of living crisis that, that is hitting people with food inflation? So you say not a good idea to remove GST from fruit and vegetables, but what do you say then to the Rawiri Waititi's private members' bill to remove GST from food and non-alcoholic beverages? Um, It's, again, I think a very blunt tool to try and do that. My question just comes back to the original um, three options. If you do it, and we absolutely could do it, and there are some, some minor sort of technical bits about that in terms of where do you have actual um, sales to consumers versus retailers? There's some complexity, less than in other areas because it's taking it off all food, so you're getting rid of a lot of those silly arguments. But then suddenly you've put the cost up. Um, In 2018, when the tax working group was looking at it, they were costing that out at $2.6 I've done some very rough back-of-the-envelope calculations just to try and update the GST take from 2018 to to 2023, and now if we were looking at that, I think that would be costing the government over $3 billion. Now, that's a big lump of income for the government to forego, and is that the best way to help people at the lower social economic level who are really hurting without um, also giving it to people at the higher socioeconomic level who are possibly just a little bit unhappy about rising prices but aren't hurting that much? One texter has written, take it off fresh fruit and vegetables and put it on sugar. Simple problem solved. Well, it already is on sugar. 
Yeah, well, that's what I think they're looking at there is actually looking at syntaxes, and that's to try and change people's behaviour. That's not GST per se that if you're looking at that. But if you think about what New Zealand as a society has decided to do in the past with excise taxes, different to GST, but excise taxes, we only do that on tobacco and alcohol. But we have used pricing signals to actually drive things to try and change that. The question that then goes through is, if you put it on sugar and those things, do you do it on orange juice that's got a high level of sugar or apple juice just as much as you do on fizzy drinks? And that's that's something else that you know, various other countries have had sugar taxes around the world. It's just something that people can look at. Again, there's questions, is, is it a pretty blunt tool to go through? Could GST be a bit higher? You mean as a rate? As a rate, yes. Yeah, um, you certainly could put it higher. Politically in New Zealand, I don't think it would go higher. Um, other countries do have higher rates, but they also do have a lot of exemptions. So New Zealand sitting at 15% is sort of, you know, mid-rate in terms of OECD. Some of them are in the, the mid-20s for certain items, but they then do have a range of exceptions. Um, my view of just the political tea leaves is I think it would be hard for it to go higher. Um, interestingly, the share of GST take has actually decreased slightly out of the total tax take because I think of the... Um, inflationary effect of wage growth pushing more people into higher income tax bands. So the big behemoth that collects most of the tax in New Zealand is tax on personal income, then it's GST, and then third is companies. But their companies is a long way behind because they're sort of an intermediate area between um, individuals that go there. But individuals are the easy people to collect the money on, and then the next one is GST. Appreciate your insight, Alan. Thank you, Alan Bullitt, GST partner at Deloitte, joining us this evening, convincing us that GST should remain on various items.